reading. Uh, have um, Mark chapter 11 open in front of you, that would be great. And uh, we're, we're going to be focusing on Mark 11, 1 to 11. Now this afternoon at Burrowang, which you're all welcome to come along to, um, at 4.30 at St David's, we're going to focus on chapter 12 and jump back a bit into chapter 11, those other bits. So if you're coming along this afternoon, um, great to have you there. Also, if you're coming this afternoon, enter via Wilds Meadow, because there's enormous... Oh, has it been fixed? It's been fixed. Okay, there you go. So you can now you've got a choice of which direction you enter St David's, Wilds Meadow or Burrowing, and your car will survive fine. Um, right, so it should be okay. But it's a great service, and I hope you come. Um, <laughs> it's pretty easy to get to. You'll be right. So love to have you there. Um, but that's what we're going to do this afternoon. We'll look at chapter 12, jumping back into 11. But this morning, 11, 1 to 11 is where we're at. Um, there's a few of us, um, just before we get into it, a few of us away at the moment. Um, COVID's taking a bit of a toll with some of our families and uh, through the primary school as well. Um, so just keep those people in your, in your prayers and, and obviously watch out for symptoms. A lot of us had, have had it already with our families, um, but just, just uh, keep an eye on that. And uh, if, you're, if you do have symptoms and obviously if you've tested positive, then, then you should uh, give church a miss. All right. Uh, Next week too, as we're thinking about coming weeks and, and sermons, we're looking at chapter 13. Now chapter 13 is a ripper, so um, I hope you'll give it a read before next week. Uh, have a look at chapter 13 and we'll, um, we'll tackle that then. Alright, how about I pray and then we'll uh, get into things. Father, we do thank you for your goodness to us today. Uh, we thank you for your word, we thank you that you're a God who speaks and today we thank you for your son, who's your king, your anointed king that we can trust and we can give our lives to. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, Matt, let's put that first slide on. Good on you. Thank you. The king is dead. Long live the king. That's what they say. Um, oh, there we go. Go back again. Oh, look at that. It's actually not there. It's the wrong slides. There it is. Oh, that's going on. That's, that's strange, isn't it? Um, that is a saying that it's a well-used phrase, isn't it? You might have heard it before. We don't want to be saying it now to our lovely Queen Elizabeth, not, not, not just, uh, just for the time being. Um, but it's been, it actually dates back to a, a number of hundred years to French royalty and also in the UK and similar phrases have been used in the royal family in Denmark. The king is dead, long live the king. Um, it's also used in Tolkien's The Hobbit, so it must be historical. Um, they're, they're words of, of continuity in royalty. That's what it's about. Uh, there, there shall never be a time without a king that people shout out. That's really what they're shouting. There shall never be a time without a king. So when we come to Mark chapter 11, this first 11 verses, we find the Jewish people longing for such a hope. Uh, it had been, give or take, 400 years since Zedekiah uh, and about 1,000 years since the great King David. They longed for their king to rule. Perhaps they even longed for there to never be a time when their king was not on his throne. So in, in the midst of being strangers in their homeland, uh, exiles cast out of their homes... These Jewish people, they longed for peace, they longed for restoration, for justice, for hope, for faith, for love. 
for God's king to rule no matter what this world throws at them. Now, I tell you, I get that. Don't you? Be good, wouldn't it? Uh, I long for such peace. For justice, for, for hope, for love, for God's king to rule. I long for that. For life to have such things. And that's what the people who line these streets coming into Jerusalem long for. Here was their king coming to rule. So, if you've got your Bibles there, let's pick it up from Mark chapter 11, verse 1, as we get to know more of this King Jesus, this uh, sovereign king. Verse 1, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you'll find a colt there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it, bring it here. If anyone asks you why you're doing this, say, the Lord needs it and I'll send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied it, uh, tied it at the doorway, uh, tied at the doorway, at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them uh, and the people let them go. That's a bit of, a, it's a bit of an odd scene, isn't it? Like, I... It's not something you try at home with your neighbour's Porsche, I don't think. You know. um, uh, the Lord needs it and we'll send it back here shortly. I don't think that'll, that'll cut it, will it, uh, as you drive away? I'll try to. Why does Jesus need a colt? Why, why does he need this colt of a donkey, as we'll see in a moment? Um, it seems a bit of a strange request. And, and Jesus never asks for anything. Notice that? He never asks for anything, really. And for all intents and purposes, it looks like he's telling his disciples to go and steal it. And as we read, uh, others think these disciples are stealing it as well. Yet, when the two disciples tell the owners what Jesus told them to say, uh, the Lord needs it and we'll send it back shortly, they let them take it. Jesus is in control. He's in control here on his way into Jerusalem. He's in control when he gets to Jerusalem. We can read about a bit more of that in chapter 11 and 12. And of course, he's in control when he dies on the cross. Jesus is in control. He's the sovereign king. Jesus had a plan and this donkey was part of that plan. Now, we'll see in a, while, in a little while why. All creation is his, including this donkey. Jesus was there in the beginning the Bible tells us. All things were created through him and for him. The donkey was his. In fact, he had been lending it out to those villagers for quite some time. <laughs> it's an interesting bit of a side note, isn't it? When we look at, all, look at the things that we have, they are all given to us by the Lord Jesus. Perhaps then we should ask the same question in regards to our money, our time, our possessions that the owners of the donkey in the village asks, does the Lord need this? Does the Lord have need of this? Does he need it more, than, more for the kingdom of God than I do for my own well-being? It's a fair question to ask, I think, isn't it? And of course, when we consider the vast needs of the world that is lost without Jesus, without the gospel, the answer will almost be certain, almost always be Yes. The question is whether we are willing to, to let the king stake his claim uh, 
to what we own, which is really his royal property to begin with. Well, let's look at this royal entrance. So it's point two in our outline, if you go to your outline open in front of you. Verse 10, when they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead, those who followed, shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. This was a royal entrance. Cloaks were laid down, branches were cut and placed on the road. The ancient way to, to welcome a king. And a bit like today as we, the, at the Oscars, the, the stars walk the red carpet. A bit like that, I suppose. The king was given glory. They sang and they shouted out. You could smell, you could taste the hope on the side of the road there. The longing was a thing of the past. But on a donkey, a young one at that, unridden, shouldn't it, shouldn't it have been a magnificent steed? You know, a big white horse. That would be much more impressive, wouldn't it? Uh, rising above all his subjects with all the pomp and splendour that would, uh, that would go, that you'd expect of royalty, you know, perhaps draped in fine linen, purple is the colour of kings, leading his mighty army in tow. But that's not the way King Jesus would come. Jesus was making a statement. See, how you arrive makes a statement. I've only been to one Wiggles concert only one. Um, it was a pretty good concert. It was way back when the kids were young. Um, and the way they entered the Sydney Entertainment Centre struck me because it said a lot about who they are. I don't know if they still do this. You can tell me in a moment, I suppose. But instead of arriving on the stage, that's what most performers do. Right? They come out from backstage and they go, yeah, you got everyone. You know, they arrive on stage, they're there. The Wiggles didn't do that. Now, this is obviously the days of Anthony, Jeff, Murray. Murray and Greg. Thank you. Yeah, well done. Um, my favourite Wiggles. I'm a bit biased. But what they did, this is what they did. They came in from the back. Back of the entertainment centre. We'd all been seated down, seated down about, you know, 5,000 people there. And, and they came in from the back and they walked down the aisles between all the chairs and they stopped and said hello to people. It took about 20 minutes. Saying hello to people, welcoming them. Uh, there weren't selfies back then, but I think there's some people who had digital cameras. Um, but taking some photos, all that type, signing autographs, I reckon it speaks volumes about, about them, doesn't it? That's what they did. They came in through the people. So Jesus, likewise, was making a statement about himself as he entered Jerusalem. Unlike the kings and nations of the day, which would have entered on a royal steed, fine linen, all that sort of things, Jesus would come gentle, humble, riding on a donkey. Why? Well, he, he did it that way to fulfil a promise, to fulfil a promise about God's king way back in the days of Zechariah, a promise about God's anointed king because he knew Jesus knew the words of the prophecy that was read to us, Serena read this to us, Zechariah 9, 9 and 10. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming, righteous, and having salvation is he. Gentle and humble 
and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And verse 10, I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim, that's Israel in the north, and the war horse from Jerusalem, that represents the south. So all of God's people, all of Israel. And the battle bow shall be cut off. No more. And he shall speak. Who shall speak? Jesus, the king, God's anointed king, shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea, from the river to the ends of the earth. God's king, who will rule and rule forever, came in humility. As Mark recorded, Last chapter, in chapter 10, verse 45, he said these words to his disciples. He said, For the Son of Man does not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. God's King came to bring peace. The second half of verse 10 there. Peace. But in our hearts, peace with God through the forgiveness of sin. That was his message. His message, he, he came to serve, not to be served, not to ride on a magnificent steed. And he did this by giving his life as a ransom. The very reason why he's in Jerusalem. Luke's Gospel actually talks about Jesus walking up to Jerusalem resolutely, is the word. Literally, Jerusalem was up on a hill. Imagine him walking resolutely. Why was he walking resolutely? Because he was, dying, he was walking to, to, to give his life as a ransom, to save his people from their sins. Friends, that peace that's mentioned in Zechariah 9, that peace that Jesus brings is the peace that matters. It's the peace that this king, God's king, brings. Peace with God. Peace in our hearts. More than any trouble this world can throw at us, what matters more, what is the single most critical matter in any person's life? is that peace with God. And only this king that we read about here can bring that peace. When verse 9, the people shouted, Hosanna! It means save, uh, but probably more like hallelujah. They're quoting Psalm 118, which is what theologians call a messianic psalm. It's a psalm about God's king who comes. So it makes sense. They're shouting that out. They're rejoicing with the coming king. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. This was an era of salvation, they shouted. This was the era of there never being a time without a king. Glory to God's king. But of course, this was a misplaced glory. Jesus had not come to rule like the once great King David. Jesus had come to Jerusalem to die, to give his life as a ransom. Jesus' kingship was not a proud nationalistic type. It was one of service through his death. He was, not a warrior. he was not a warrior king, but a prince of peace, righteous and gentle. God's king would come to bring salvation, Zechariah 9. The peace spoken of in Zechariah was not so much a military one, but the word in the Hebrew is actually shalom, which means a wholeness, um, well-being, sum of everything good what shalom means a life enhancing that's the peace that god brings it's a word which encompasses life with god rich blessing under this king in fact it's what isaiah referred to as the good news or the gospel of peace isaiah 52 verse 7 how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news who publishes peace 
who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Jesus, brings, uh, Jesus says he brings such good news. Uh, the time has come. Remember Mark 1 verse 15. The kingdom of God has come near. Uh, it's now. Repent and believe the good news. And what's more, this kingdom will have no end. With Jesus as king, there will never be a time without God's king. So Isaiah prophesied, uh, 9 verse 6 and 7, uh, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of his greatness, his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Friends, do you long for that peace? I do. I long for that peace. That's what Jesus offers when we come to him. Peace in our hearts, peace with God. The peace that matters more than anything else. Restoration, forgiveness. As we trust in this king, we are on the side of a sovereign, humble king who will rule forever. A king who is always on his throne no matter what the world throws at us. A king who loves, a king who rules with justice, our real and certain hope, even in the most difficult of times. A king who satisfies the longing. Let me close with an example of of, uh, such peace in uh, a man's life. One of my favourite hymns is written by, and we're going to sing it in a moment, uh, is written by a guy called Horatio Spatford. Um, Probably the best name in hymn writers going around. I haven't come across a better one. Um, I love it because because of the story behind the writing of the hymn. You might know it, but let me share it for you if you don't know it. Um, And the message which reminds me of King Jesus, who lives and reigns forever and gives me peace, and the line is, whatever my lot. Uh, so Spatford was a wealthy lawyer in Chicago, in the US, who lived in the 19th century. In 18, 1870, he lost his only son at that time to scarlet fever. Um, a year later, the Chicago, famous Chicago fire broke out and wiped out nearly all of his real estate assets. Then um, a couple of years later, the economy took a dive and he was uh, even more affected financially. In order to boost the family's spirits, well, he organised a bit of a holiday across and a holiday in the UK, which included he and his wife and his four daughters at the time attending a rally by um, the evangelist D.L. Moody. Anyway, at the last minute, though, he was not able to go because of some business concerns. Something came up. We don't know what that was. And so he sent his family ahead of him, his wife and his four daughters, off they went across uh, the Atlantic and he told them he'd meet up with them shortly. Well, halfway across the Atlantic, uh, their boat was tragically struck by another vessel and their boat sunk. When um, Horatio Spatford's wife, Anna, got to a place where she could telegram him about the incident, uh, her message only had two words, saved alone. Uh, His four daughters drowned in the accident. Spafford was obviously devastated 
as he boarded a ship to sail across the ocean uh, to meet up with his grieving wife. He spent many hours at the bow of the ship looking over the edge of the waters that claimed the life of his four daughters. And at one point across the journey, uh, the captain sort of slowed things down a bit and told whoever was on the ship that this was the spot where that ship went down. And at that spot, uh, he penned these words. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. It's a great story, isn't it? A true story. Uh, see, friends, we, we, like Horatio, have a King Jesus who offers us peace in our souls, whatever our lot, whatever comes our way. A king who rules and reigns, whatever our lot, whatever comes our way. A king who satisfies our longing. A king who is always on his throne. I'm going to pray for us and we'll see if there's any time for and see if there's any questions. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the peace we have with you through your son, our king, Jesus, your king. Father, we thank you that Jesus died for us as a ransom to make us right with you. Lord, that's the peace that matters. And may we trust you more and more, knowing that you are indeed the king who rules and who reigns and is sovereign over all. Lord, may we trust you more and more today. In Jesus' name, amen.